Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Who Art Thou podcast. I'm your host, Barry Carlin, and with me today, I have Charlie and Declan of the band True Home with me, uh, an absolutely fantastic band. Uh, I was at their show for their new album, Black Lotus, which we'll be chatting about in detail uh, on this particular episode. But I was at their show in Whelan's that they were for, for the album, and it was just such a fantastic show. Um, really cool, like psychedelically Buddhist-inspired doom metal that I think a lot of people would fuck with. I would definitely recommend going and see them live. But uh, yeah, this episode was a lot of fun to record. I will say just one little thing before we start the episode. Um, the lads have this thing called the Drone Zone, uh, which is like this hour, and I think the, the audio they sent me is an hour and a half long. Uh, that's an ambient drone thing that they would incorporate into their live shows and their music quite a bit. But uh, they, they requested that it be used in this episode. So that if you're wondering what that is in the background, that's that's the Drone Zone. But uh, I, I obliged. I thought it was funny. So um, anyway, without further ado, here's a theme music by Zach Stevenson. Started with that, with the hook, it's all right. I've hit record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're here with True Home. Got Declan and Charlie with me, guys. How are you getting on? I'm doing very well. I'm very nice. Fresh off their album show, that was absolutely phenomenal in Wheelands. How do you think? Uh, how did you think it went? It was pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, th- thank you. Um, I think that that was like uh, one of our best shows. It was our best show. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um, I think for for um, myself, uh, I spent like literally two months putting together everything from the amplifier setup to the two separate like visual uh systems that were going on in place like i think for for um those who weren't there we had um a projector that had different like visuals going through that represented each song and it would change as the song progressed and that took me i think the most amount of time for anything did you you that up yourself yeah, yeah, so I I, I, I was looking at it. It was kind of one of those cool things that it was so kind of like transfixing. And it was like, oh yeah, look at the band. <laughs> so I finished the last uh, bit of visuals for that at like 3 a.m. the night before the show. Like it was down to the Jesus. wire. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It just like, the, it was in a really nice venue as well. Like we went yeah. to the upstairs and yeah. And uh, since so much work had gone into it, uh, it just paid off really well. Yeah, exactly. And like we, we had everything planned out super well. And like we had the whole stage set up. And by the time the show was over and we were tearing down the opening band, Steiner, who were fantastic, yeah. by the way. They, they were look, really good. They were fantastic. Yeah, I'd never heard of them before now, to be honest. They were a very, very good band. We, we yeah. played with them a few times. They're like one of our favorite bands to play with for mm. sure. But they looked at like the empty stage and they were like, oh, you mean you guys set this all up yourselves? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just set up like this when you got here? No, no, no. no. We, Every we single to... thing on that stage we put here. Yeah. And then the other thing was we had um, we had a little box TV, like the ones from like the 90s. And yeah, had that... I have that written down. How the hell did you do okay. that? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that was the one, like when me and my friends came in, the first thing we saw when we saw the box TV, everybody was going, oh shit, how the fuck did it looks so strange when it's just like sitting there and no, nothing's happening, you're not playing. People are like, what the hell is that? And then there's this little like white line 
down the the center of the screen you're like what the fuck's going on so essentially what it is is um i'm using this uh device called a critter and guitar video scope and basically it uh it works like an oscilloscope and what happens is you put in um a audio signal and it converts that into an xy axis based on amplitude and frequency and so it will then show that as an oscilloscope so what i did is in the uh on the pedal board i split my bass signal up i think like four different into four different signals and three of them went to amps and then one of them went to this uh video scope which was then plugged straight into the tv it's so you so had cool. you had uh the bass amp where you could like feel the bass you had the two guitar arms where you could like hear like the clarity in the upper and the mids and then you could also see the waves so you could hear them you could feel them and you could see the bass lines it's so it, it it really it's funny like you have all the crazy visuals and then for some reason i always found myself looking at the tv <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing like and it's it's tiny compared to the projector but it's just the combination yeah of the it's two. cool yeah it, where did you get the idea for it um so for the video box um so for me the video scope i um Basically, I've just been like super interested in uh, video synthesis mm. and like the idea of uh, instead of generating like audio oscillators and filters, doing applying that same technique to um, to like video signals and like red, green, blue lines that interact in different ways. And the video scope was kind of a uh, affordable way to get into that kind of world. Um, and I'm still looking to expand the rig uh, a lot more. Um, but the kind of the idea of having this kind of audio reactive thing has been something that I kind of saw on YouTube somewhere and was kind of thinking, like, oh, I could use that in like my electronic stuff. And then uh, we were setting up all the True Home stuff and I just had this idea of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to be able to see the bass lines yeah. as well. Um, Imagine doing it with the drums. So, so that, that's, that's, that's what's coming next. There's, 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 um, if anybody's selling an old box just fucking TV white cheap, noise. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, and then the, the visual stuff with the projector. Um, I mean, so I personally have been to like a lot of shows where like the visual side of things was a huge part mm. of the show. Like um, I've seen Tame Impala twice. I've seen Tame Impala do it very well. They yeah. do it extremely well. Yeah. I've seen King Gibbs and the Lizard Wizard. Um, My friend's going to be so he's a too. Uh, I, I, I was front row at All Together Now. So uh, was I. Oh, man. <laughs> we must have been like right, right next to each other. Um, my friend's obsessed like I mean absolutely obsessed with them and I oh, would man. kind of put off listening to them for ages and I was like fine I'll take the plunge and then yeah. after a while I was just like oh they're actually really good and then that, that last album Are you um, found Charlie as well or no nope. he, he, we're not going to get it too in <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah I saw their um, I, and I've been watching them for years on YouTube but seeing their live sh- set with the visuals all in person was insane and then inspiring. also inspiring uh <laughs> and that and uh seeing tool as well so between tam impala tool and king gears it's some of my favorite shows had like a visual aspect that would be a huge part of the performance and that's something that i wanted to take to true home for a very long time do you know tying into that one of the bands that i saw that did it very effectively was godflesh so they're pitch mm. black on stage you can't see them right and they just have this screen that just plays these just mad fucking videos that they made mm. but i brought two friends that to that gig it was by far the loudest gig that I've ever been at. Like it was, like it was stupidly loud. We mm. left. We I don't think no my, my being stupidly loud. Yeah, <laughs> my, my friends left. Like I thought Big Brave were loud. These guys, mm. Godflesh, tore them apart with with just how just. Ugh. But everything volume. was fucking 
uh, the whole floor was trembling with the the floor drum thing that <laughs> they had and stuff. It was just insane. But I brought my two friends to that, and then the next gig that I brought them to was you guys. And oh. uh, she's like, "Are you trying to make us deaf?" And I was like, "I'm sorry, I didn't. I, I knew it was going to be loud, but I didn't think it was going to be this loud." <laughs> no, when we were doing sound check, uh, the uh, the audio engineer um, Connor was named. Yeah. Um, he. He was kind of looking a bit confused and kind of perplexed and we were like is it all good and he was like yeah i mean the drums are like really really loud but so are the amps so it kind of bounces to their <laughs> and he was like the only problem is like the vocals are kind of struggling and we were like it's okay it don't worry matter. about it, it doesn't yeah. matter just as long as the drums and the, and the amps are unbelievably loud. unbearably loud that's what we want but I have one question actually before we move on to actually talking about the album because it's just mm. with the live show thing. Um, is like George Fisher your dad or something? How do you do that with your head spin for the whole songs? <laughs> like, come on, the dude. Fucking windmilling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were watching it going, I was like, how is he going? How is he going to do it in a row? Like, <laughs> practice. Yeah, I like it, it. Like literally, like we'll be there at practice and like we'll have our like hair tied up and just like not really moving, just like vibing out, and then like. Halfway through, we'll be like, ah, oh, fuck, yeah, fuck we, it. Yeah. <laughs> and we just like go for it. And like, to be fair, um, the way that I describe it is it's all about technique. And the, <laughs> the, oh, here we go. <laughs> the, the, long story short, uh, your head banging should be, mus- your muscles should be moving in the back, not the neck. Mm. And that way you can get a lot more power. You can go a lot longer um, and it looks Charlie's a lot Charlie's nodding approvingly. Uh, yeah, I know about it. <laughs> see, see, Charlie, as well as being the drummer of True Home, is also yeah. the uh, phenomenal guitarist of Four North. Great um, band. Fantastic band. Um, and so he will often be, uh, I think like you almost headbanged the entire show yeah, in Four I North. Did, so, so we both know what it's like to try and play instruments while headbanging but the difference is charlie plays like actually complicated music hard uh, <laughs> it's very hard whereas true home is just about like what feels good man? <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 a lot easier to play so headbanging to true home is is perfectly fine it's the pinch harmonics while while doing the windmill that's yeah. the hard part <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, like with the with the new album, it's it's fir- is the first album of Curse Monk Records. Yes, sick. Uh, Black Lotus. Yes. yes. Um, what was the intention going into writing it? Like, I think because you're did very not much. Have one. Yeah, what? I was about to say you're very much a jam band, is we it? Kinda, so I think what happened was we just like hadn't played for a while, and we were just like we've been mulling around with some songs, and Declan yeah. often like every once in a while just send me like a riff or something. Like that's cool. That's another <laughs> song, and then like a few weeks later, a few months later, we just like go to the room or a practice space and we just like jam out for three hours yeah and then we have an album <laughs> it's kind of as simple yeah. as that yeah. so, so with it specifically um we were attempting to write our next coming album which is um it's gonna be a dub reggae album what? uh yeah, oh, yeah yeah oh you're not ready for it man well, you know, think about it. It's 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 all about like drums and bass and like echo and space. So it, it translates very well. Drums and bass and echo and space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that should be the name of the album. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like that's the thing. If you if you listen to True Home, you'll see dub influence like all over the place. Um, like the the Patience remix and on the Great Journey, there's like that huge dub section. But we were trying to write like dub reggae riffs and. I think The Great Journey is a fantastic example of a song that started off trying to be dub reggae and then it just 
very quickly it became just, it doom. just didn't it was just like this needs to go in this direction exactly <laughs> this is just like how it needs to be um, you know and then so after a while we kind of like realized like hang on we had like 40 minutes worth of like heavy material fuck it let's just do another doom album yeah. <laughs> but then for the great journey specifically we we had like a demo version where it kind of went between the the verse and the chorus and the first half of the song and it kind of it wasn't really going we anywhere couldn't make it go anywhere and like, it was the first time figure it out that was, that's ever happened we yeah didn't know what to do and it was but, like you just just stagnated could, with yeah because usually yeah. like we have something or we have an idea and we just like it, it was kind of like we just jam and we yeah. were doing that but like it just wouldn't go it wasn't working like <laughs> we just like we, 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 we could do find... the verse and chorus and but it just wouldn't go anywhere else and we're like uh, what are we gonna do and like we tried a few different things and it wasn't working and we were even considering not putting it on the album yeah. which is funny because oh, wow. a lot of people like i think it's easily our, our, our most our best performing um best performing song. but so we we almost didn't put on the album because we didn't know where it would go and I just looked at Charlie in practice and I was like, what if, hear me out, yeah. <laughs> I just play the most evil riff. Yeah. And Charlie was like, there's no way that's going to work. I was like, no, 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 hear me out. Let me cook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we went into it and literally it was that. It was that yeah, riff. It's, it's and then, sick. <laughs> thank you. And then a riff that we wrote like a year and a half ago. Yeah. And we were like, oh, we'll do something with this at some point. And then we suddenly like put it all together and we were like oh this this works this really <laughs> works um and, but for most of the songs like it's just a case of kind of jamming and see what happens i think the we never go in we never go about like we're gonna write an album today it's just yeah. like let's just go out and like, let's we, just play some music it's nice for some yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's easy when there's only two people in your band yeah, so right? that <laughs> exactly like for for me you know I, there'll be a bunch of songs where I'm just like, all right, I'll try a new riff every other bar or something. And if there's a guitarist trying to catch up with that and like play alongside, it's just it doesn't a work. It doesn't work. It's a complete mess. Not that um, you know we as two people can't jam with guitars. It's more just like as true home what it is. It just works as the two of us. Yeah. Um, but um, for example, one of the songs that worked really well as a jam was Ascension of the Astronaut. Yeah. Which was a song that I basically had. It's my out- favorite song on the album. Ah, that's it. <laughs> questions for later, Charlie. Shut up! Just saying. Just, just, we, we can fix in post. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> for, for that one, uh, we, we went in. Uh, so. Uh, the the five songs in the album that was the one that we hadn't like even rehearsed before going into the studio rehearsed like let alone like we never even played it together yeah like oh lit- really like, not like, once I, I had how does Declan that just like send me like a minute or two of like the quiet riff yeah and like oh there's this heavy bit after and it's just like a minute of this and that and, and it'll I, like, be like about like, like, like 20 minutes long yeah and, yeah. Like, <laughs> and he was like okay cool yeah, I got this <laughs> and then we went in and we were we literally played um, the album in its entirety and we got to the last song and I just looked at Charlie and just started playing the riff and he you know came in roughly when I wanted him to come in and then because we're very good at like giving each other like just look at each other just give each other like a look and be like alright now no. and then like okay cool we're gonna slow down now and then back in and so like we're very like tuned into that kind of thing and so we just played uh, the song basically in its entirety and then later added the little ambient section at the end and it's the same as what happened on the first album where we played the album basically 
recorded the whole thing in like basically one or two takes. The, we did the first half in one take and the second half in another take. And at the end of the second take, I looked at Charlie, just started playing a new riff that he'd never heard before. And we just jammed there on the spot. So when you listen to Sisyphus on the record, that is the sound of us writing the song. On it's also the, spot. the same with Descending from the Mountain. Like, I, we'd never played that song together before. It, so, so that was kind of like Ascension where. I had the riff, but we yeah, never played it yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. That, that, no, Sisyphus was just a total jam. To, Sisyphus was literally the <laughs> sound like, of us writing. We just like went outside for a break, came back inside, sat down, Declan picked up his bass, and he just started playing, and I was like, okay. Bam, yeah. bam, bam. And Tara was like, all right, cool, all right, I got let's, this. Let's yeah. just do this for yeah. a minute. <laughs> but then where did the lyrics come in, then? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm never there when he's writing lyrics. So, so for, for me, when it comes to writing lyrics, it's usually a case of I'll just listen to a jam for a while and I'll like kind of come up with something but then for um like Ascension of the Astronaut I so we had the the first session which was the three three hours to record an entire album uh and then we would then go in and record vocals uh like a few days later on like a longer session and I went into that session having not even started writing the lyrics for the last song which again is 20 minutes long I was going to say the last one's long it's, yeah. it's, it's long <laughs> it's long <laughs> and, I, and I said to the engineer I was like okay I, I don't have anything and so I said to the engineer I was like hey uh, I sent Charlie the first draft the lyric and uh, he said that he really doesn't like it so I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry I'm going to have to write new lyrics here is that okay for you and he was like yeah that's fine I'll, I'll, I'll just set everything up you you know write lyrics and I was there on the spot trying to think of like something and just like googling you know chakras and yeah. spiritual <laughs> trees and all that kind of stuff and, and trying to like you know write some sort of narrative and then like looking back having written it I'm like oh no this is like the perfect like summary of the themes of the album yeah, it is. that I literally just wrote like like as the first, quickly the last two albums yeah <laughs> first draft just as quickly as you can write it down and all of a sudden looking back and being like oh no there's an actual story here there's a <laughs> there's a progression going pretty on pretty dark story as well I mean <laughs> no, it's, no, no no it's not dark the guy it's meditated actually, himself to death well, well, so, so it's it's him <laughs> medit- hang on a second <laughs> hold on hang on hang a on. minute it all <laughs> starts <laughs> with the first album so, Wait, is there an argument between all three? Yeah. Yes. Oh, all is there? there? Oh, I didn't there, know. There's deep lore. Okay. <laughs> we can get into the lore yeah, if you want. Yeah, we can. Yeah, do. Okay, long story short. <laughs> um, there's this, uh, this traveler who is lost um, mentally, spiritually, physically, and he's trying to find his way in life. And he meets this guru on the side of the road who says, you are lost, my friend. You need to, you know, find enlightenment. If you climb up to that sun temple on top of a mountain, there you will find the truth. And so he climbs up to the mountain, tries, you know, different paths, and he finally gets there when he reaches the summit, and then he finds enlightenment, and then slowly descends from the mountain, where he then goes on to spread his message around the world, which is uh, what happens in Patience, and it's that Patience is the sound of him coming to that realization, and him kind of in the astral plane, and then for the third album, he's, you know, told everyone that, you know, need that needs to hear his message, but he's like, all right, what do I do now? I've, I've, you know, found my meaning in life. I've achieved it. What do I do now? And he sees a, a mountain hawk soaring over the mountain where he meditated. And he takes this as inspiration. He almost thinks to himself that this is some previous um, astral traveler 
who has um, reincarnated as his mountain hawk, guiding him along, possibly even the guru that he saw along the road. And so he's inspired to traverse the forest, to sail over great oceans, to, you know, um, sail across sand dunes through a vast desert until he comes to the Bodhi tree. And he realizes that there he shall meditate to death because he's done everything that he needs to do on the physical plane of existence, but not necessarily the astral plane of existence. And so when you hear him uh, at the beginning of the song, that's him coming to the realization. And then when it gets to the heavy section, that's the sound of him dying. But then when it all transcends into the beautiful ambient section, that's him realizing that the physical world ending is also the end of his pain and suffering and now he has transcended into the afterlife where he spends the rest of his um spiritual being uh amongst the astral planes and the entities on the astral plane which will then be the sound of the next album that's actually quite beautiful thank you, <laughs> thank you. that's the thing like it's it, it's dark on the surface but much like a lotus flower it is very beautiful even <laughs> though it's black <laughs> you know it's 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 a whole kind of narrative uh thing uh we... no that's lovely that's a lot different to what i thought it was yeah, yeah there you go <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, lo- a lot of people we've heard a lot of different interpretations of our of yeah. music and it's, uh, each one is as as funny as the last so i want to know what what you think the the no, album I, the lyrics I, are about but like no i the, just that's what i thought it was about because i heard you say it on the metal cell podcast and i was like right. oh, that's metal as fuck <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing so like it, it, it is like not metal as fuck in a traditional sense no, but, <laughs> but like that's the thing about like true home as a band like it's one of those things where it can be like you know heavy and, and like powerful but like at the end of the day we want it to be a like joyous experience like you know, some metal bands want to like terrify you. Some people want to. Some metal bands want to make you feel angry. We want mm. you to feel like. I want you to feel groovy. You want to feel yeah. groovy, <laughs> yeah. but also like at peace and like you know, we we often describe it as like like a, a meditative experience. Should actually mention because we've only mentioned drums and bass that there is also a back the um what is it the is it called the tempora the, the, the tempora tempora yes. yes so yeah, can you explain zone. that to me because I was I heard you talk about it again okay. in the Metal Cell podcast but so there's um, this band called Own. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you, Charlie. Um, They're members from Sleep. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, we're heavily inspired by the band Ohm, um, who, in their song Thebes specifically, um, had this weird kind of Indian drone uh, instrument going through like the whole song. And I was kind of curious about it for a while. I wasn't really sure what it was, and then uh. I was just there browsing the uh, fan-made lists of Alice Cisneros' equipment that he's used throughout the years, as you do. As you do. <laughs> as you yeah. do. And I saw there was a thing that said E-Tampora, and I was like, huh, it's kind of strange. And it was this little box with a speaker and a few buttons, and it said, used in the song Thieves. And I was like, okay. So I looked it up and went, yeah, that's, that's, the, the, sa- that's, that's the, thing. the sound. Yeah. That's the thing. So um, I went to Amazon, and they were like, 150 euro that's not too bad it's really not that bad no so I, I went and I ordered one um, and then I brought it to practice and Charlie said that looks like a toy it does it literally, <laughs> like, it's literally like if you don't know what it looks like the tempura is the a, e-tempora is, at least. the e-tempura is a tiny pink plastic box 
<laughs> it's literally like you shake it and there's other stuff rattling inside. It's literally like it should not be rattling inside, by the way. It's, it's like, something that it looks like you'd find in a child's room, like it's like a Hello Kitty thing. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks exactly. There's just a little speaker on it, and then like you press it, and it's like it's actually really loud. It's and it's like it's literally the some, sound that's that Indian drone sound. So, sometimes at practice, we will have like the full amps and Charlie playing full drums, and this tiny little box just at full volume, and we can hear it over the yeah. amps. <laughs> But Charlie was like, that looks silly. So I was like, okay, hang on. What if I sample it into my modular synthesizer and then I can manipulate it in different ways? And so when we're playing on stage, it, you know, it's this whole like modular synth with yeah, cables. It sounds and, awesome and it, in the, at the live show. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, um, it translates really well live it does. Yeah, it because does, yeah. it occupies upper frequencies that the bass really isn't. And so it kind of, fits into the mix really well whereas if you try to add a guitar into that you'll get completely lost yeah it's even cool like even like when you're changing over to the next song and still hearing you're like oh yeah i forgot that still song goes quiet and gets loud again it goes quiet and the song ends like you're always being reminded that yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's like mm, you're kind of being a cool trance held kind of in yeah like heavy riffs and then when the music goes quiet again you're like ah. yeah <laughs> it, it, it is like a we're definitely trying to do like a a trance like thing not to be confused with quote-unquote trance uh, electronic music um but i specifically remember at one point uh because we started off using uh this uh like four track tape machine um, we still do we so we, we we still do we haven't used it for the past few shows but we brought it back out for wheelins for the special occasion but um <laughs> but so for our first few shows we were just using this um this tape machine to do a, a similar type thing with just like guitar and synth loops um like if you notice on the first album it sounds there's, very the different. The drone zone is there. Like yeah. there is a drone. The whole thing. It's just there's just no tempora. It, it, That's the only difference. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, but it, it, there's still a. So wait, when did you did you get it for the last album then? Or yeah, so we we got it's it just the, uh, oh, okay. after the last album or before the last album. Yeah. Um, it really changes the. Is whole that what you call the drone zone? We, well, yeah. So, so <laughs> the whole like <laughs> section <laughs> of like the stage <laughs> and practice with the synth drone zone. It's the drone zone. <laughs> well, see, the drone zone <laughs> changes over time. Yeah. So like sometimes it's always evolving. Sometimes it's just the tape machine. Sometimes it's just the modular. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's it's uh, the MP3 file on my phone because I forgot to bring the, uh, the yeah, modular yeah. to practice. <laughs> but you always have to have the drone zone. You gotta have the drone zone. The true home is nothing without the drone zone. Can you have the drone zone playing in the background of this podcast? Yeah. Oh my god, if you want, it can have it. I'll send you the <laughs> file. <laughs> that, would be, that would be gas. <laughs> Yeah, the funny thing is like we're like what a half an hour in people are like why is for the beginning just the whole way through <laughs> we only get to this part and tell them now I need to ask you there's the chant there's that song that has the chant it's like Budam Budam Sagnam where did you find that uh, YouTube <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I'm uh, very interested in a lot of um Buddhist philosophy it's and kind of what inspired the band really yeah I mean we'll, we'll, we'll get to Tishnahan in a minute yeah, but okay. I was going to say we should mention the name if we're at that point yeah. <laughs> um, but so I um, and actually my friend Mira who um, was the engineer for the first two albums uh, me and him would like send each other Buddhist chants on YouTube <laughs> just just cause as you do <laughs> as, as you do and I, I came across as one and it was called Budam Sagnam Gachami. And I was listening to it and I was like, that's kind of evil. Kinda that's kind of <laughs> evil sound, kind of heavy. Mm. And I like mentioned to Charlie and he was like, that's 
so dumb. Obviously, we're not going to do that. I'm like, wait, help, hold on. <laughs> Hear me out. I've got a lot of... I've got to say, so I've got to say I, feel, I feel like I'm spotting uh, a trend here. Yeah. I'll come up with a crazy idea. Charlie will say that's stupid and crazy, and I'll be like, no, wait, here, let me show you. <laughs> yeah, and I'll be like, oh, I see what's going yeah. on. <laughs> and, and then we, we jammed it out at practice, um, and yeah, when it gets to that heavy section, mm. it is... It's, in my opinion, like the heaviest riff uh, on the album, but it's, well, arguably there's the one in arguably the Arguably there's the one in but I'll let it slide. I will let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, yeah, no, that is just a cover of a traditional chant um, that we stumbled across. Stumbled like. across and thought that would be a really fucking heavy song to include in the album. Oh no, it fits very well. I got like high long vibes off it. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's super cool. Um, where did you record? We mentioned obviously on the walk up where you yeah. recorded. I think the story of how you got ended up recording it with the guy mm. the student it's is very simple. Yeah, really. yeah. Declan so was- used to study in Windmill Lane, which <laughs> gave him a lot of access to studios and stuff for projects and for classes. And so for the first two albums, it was a case of when do you want to go? And we were like, uh, let's do this day. And Declan was like, okay, I'll be there. So we just show up with all our stuff and we'd record the album in three hours or something and I need to specify it was day. a lot more complicated than that Charlie I'm sure just, it was a lot more complicated than that. Just I don't need know. to know about that I'm the drummer here you know that's, that's your responsibility <laughs> <laughs> you don't have an album without me so like, make it easy for me hey look yeah. drum machines are cheap these days <laughs> and then uh, so it was easy then easier yeah. technically because you were already in Windmill Lane yeah. studying so we had the opportunity but mm-hmm. then we hadn't even we weren't even thinking about recording a new album and then we had a we were asked to play Declan's one of Declan's old lectures or something yeah. asked us to play the, the like culture a culture night, night yeah. in Workman's for the students who were going to Windmill Lane and so we did like a 30-40 minute set it was a it was a very stripped back set but like yeah. it, we got our, the true home point across and uh, <laughs> after it was also the show, like, like that, that night it was like all like you know trad and like folk yeah, kind of stuff, folk and stuff, like and like some DJing stuff, and, and then, then we like, rock up and just like fucking demolish. It was the great place. because like none of the <laughs> students or anything there like knew what to expect. They had no idea idea what they were about to see. They just they, saw a drum they, kit and some and, some amps, and some amps. And they, but they really liked it. But they, I'd say a lot of them never heard anything like that before. No, definitely not. Espe- especially with the name like True Home, like it can kind of be kind of unambiguous. What does that type mean? Of, yeah, yeah exactly, you don't yeah. expect to be a metal band. Well, yeah. After the show, one of the students came up to us and he was like, "Oh, hey, I really, really enjoyed that show. Uh, can I like record one of your songs for my end of year project?" And Declan was like, "Sure, that's a great idea." And then he came to me, and he was like, "Oh, yo, Charlie, like, let's go and record a single with this guy." And I was like, "Why don't we just record an album?" <laughs> I was like, "Charlie, we, it, we yeah. don't understand. No, it's a three-hour slot." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's what we did before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing new to us." Like. So we 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 got in, we set up the drums, set up the amps, uh, and then you know put all the microphones in position hit record, played the album in its entirety, and then... Stopped recording and, and then left. Stopped recording, yeah. Yeah. No, and then we left it, and then went straight to play a show in February. Oh, yeah, we did do that. That was... No, I can't remember what show no, that was. That, that was with Four Noth. That was with Four Noth and Tunes, well. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was a... That was a good show. That was a good was show. <laughs> was, yeah. And we actually touched on it there, the name True Home. Um, mm. Where does the name come from? Because I, I love this story. Yeah. Like, 
when me and Declan were jamming together, oh well, there's this whole incident involved, oh, but I'm not God. gonna go into that. Basically, the, the Declan was wasted. <laughs> Declan was just really Beyond drunk. wasted. Declan was, was really, really drunk. Cosmic levels of attitude. Yeah, like, he was, like, just, like, coming in and out of consciousness constantly, like, begging for water and then falling straight back to No, no, I, I'd beg for water, have it poured in my mouth, instantly vomit that all up, and then yeah, pass yes. out and then again. Pass it out was again. awful. It, We've all been there, dude. I just started, there. like, I just, like, had a laptop out and I started, like, playing the ohm discography like from like from start to finish the whole thing it's five hours yeah and (laughs) you're just like like and uh basically at the end of it don't face away from the microphone sorry sorry (laughs) (laughs) at the end of it we we, and Declan like Declan came around for a minute and we were both looked at each other and we were like we have to do something like this yeah man because like we were both like we both had still been jamming for ages and not really didn't really have a band we were just like you know doing whatever yeah and then we just decided we have to do something like this and then Declan came to my house and we started playing what became the Sun Temple. Yes. We started we like we had climbed to the Sun Temple and we played the summit and stuff like that in the middle so ground I, for like the first two practices. We we wrote so on that first practice we wrote uh climbing to the Sun Temple, the middle ground, the summit and the speed of life. Yeah. And patience. It's just kind of that's just <laughs> yeah. how we roll. That's just how we roll. But uh the the name came because we didn't know what to call ourselves at all. We didn't even have an idea and I was mm-hmm. watching a video to fall asleep I was just like came up and it was a a a guided meditation with Thich Nhat Hanh the Vietnam the Vietnamese Buddhist monk who is often considered like the forefounder of modern mindfulness yeah he gives a lot of, of um and I, I had like seen talks. it before but like I watched it again and I was like listening to it properly but also on, on the night of the incident we discovered that we both listened we actually both listened to like the same we, talk we, <laughs> we were there and we were drunk just chatting away and realized that we both somehow accidentally were listening to the same Vietnamese Buddhist monk <laughs> give lectures on finding peace to help fall asleep basically like the sample at the start of the first album like the song True Home like he's saying like when I was watching it for the first time he's like listen listen this wonderful sound sound brings you back to my true home home. and I was like that's That's it it, got it baby like a few days later I was like Declan I got a name and he was like I was like True Home and he was like yeah, yeah. yeah. It, is great, it is a great name to uh, be fair and it looks great when you have it like you know that the actual lettering yeah, yeah. and stuff is awesome so yeah it took us a while to figure out uh what kind of font what the font? name would be uh, uh impact empty shadow yeah um but did you see just in a line of fonts you see the name empty shadow it's like that works as well because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what i was specifically looking for something that's kind of like Times New Roman but not literally Times New Roman because yeah. like one of my can't get away with that no no because like that's almost as bad as using comic sounds <laughs> but one of my pet peeves is when you're looking at a cool like you know poster for like a metal festival and you look at all the squealy lines and you're like I um, don't know how to pronounce any of these bands <laughs> and you're just there being like oh I, I kind of like to go to um what crucif- is this is that is that a an s or an x no that's yeah. definitely a y yeah, yeah. Dude, it's, funny, it's funny you say that because i remember i was at workman's one night for whatever bizarre reason and um i can't remember what it was but it was definitely there was definitely not a heavy metal crew at it i'll put it that way yeah and i was wearing i have a vest with all the patches on it and one guy was like, what the hell does that even say? Yeah. And so I was like, well, that one says blood incantation. That one says this. That one says this. And eventually he was like, oh, I, you know, I was like, 
whatever way that it, the tra- the conversation transpired, I was like, I'll tell you what, I will give you guys sixty euro if you can translate that patch. Yeah. You have to buy me pines until you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they did it, and they yeah. never got it. Oh, <laughs> so what was the band? Wolves of the Throne Room. Oh, it was. Yeah. That one is impossible. Yeah, no, it, it is, is impossible. Um, see, for me, I think it's one of those things where it's cool if it's like you know on a single poster or if it's on a t-shirt or a patch and it's kind of one yeah. thing but like if I'm like looking at like a metal poster oh, and, and you're yeah. trying to like find a cool band and all of a sudden there's one band that's like popping out in like plain English easy to read you're like oh but still cool that's yeah exactly but you can like see it and like it pops really well on like a big poster like that's you know we had the same kind of idea for Fornath as well because mm. it's like like looks like the name is like etched in stone my brother did that. They did it really well. Like all those little like nooks and crannies are all like hand done, but like it's not like ridiculous. You know what it says? Yeah. They yeah. are individual letters. It is. You know? Yeah, it's <laughs> different. Like because like I'm wearing this now. This is unyielding love, but you wouldn't be able to read that. I, but I have no yeah. idea. Unyielding love are banned from Belfast. They're very good. But um, no. Did you ever see that? It just from this conversation reminded me of there was a heavy metal. I, th- I can't remember what festival it was, but it was one of these festivals that had all these death metal bands but mm. not printed like it had the logos yeah. and you're just oh, like okay. no we can read this but then there was a band called like Pop-Tart that was in like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you it was that. all in pink yellow and now you're just like Pop-Tart's got it going on yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's Pop-Tart that's, are awesome <laughs> I haven't listened to them I don't I've never oh, either no. I, but yeah. just, it's just kind of a ballsy move I would oh, love yeah. if they were like the easily the heaviest band on the list as well oh yeah <laughs> good stuff but uh, I guess this is the part we'll move on to the second part. So this is just random questions I'd ask you in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question I'd like to start off with, what was the first and last album you ever fell in love with? Oh, Jesus. First um, album I ever fell in love with. <sighs> because when I was young, like I had like a tiny iPod, like one of those. Yeah, you know, the iPod Nanos. Like, I just had like songs that my dad put on it. <laughs> All right, okay. So like there was like maybe like 20, 25 songs on it and... They're like, there was like Buddy Holly and Chuck Berry, so I always loved <laughs> them. But like, one that I always like listened to in my time was uh, a compilation album of Tom Waits called The Silent Years. Nice. And the, the song was Martha. And so I'd mm. always listen to that. Oh, that makes so much sense. So now. like, and now like, I like, it had been so long since I'd properly listened to Tom Waits. And then like, I was going to practice one day and John picked me up and he was listening to The Silent Years. And I was like, oh my John God, Fornot, yeah, yeah. my cousin. And he's, I was like, oh my God, it's been so long. And then like, I realized that like, that was technically my first l- musical love was Tom Waits. That's a and good then one the last say. album I fell definitely in love with was uh, The Rainbow Goblins. Masayoshi <laughs> 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 Takanaka is a Japanese. I have no idea what that is. Oh, it's fucking oh, brilliant. It's, bro, he's, a, he's, bro. A, he's a very famous uh, Japanese jazz fusion artist. But like only famous like... In Japan, Japan. Japan, like, <laughs> yeah. huge in Japan. Like he's so big in Japan that he actually never had to leave Japan to play music. Like that's how it's big he's. What's the point? Like, yeah, exactly. the point? Like he made it in Japan, so he made it. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> but the Rainbow Goblins is literally a concept album about like the children's book, the Rainbow Goblins. But From, it's just like seventies. Like, he's got loads of other great albums as well, and um, it's just that one is just like it's funny because there's a narration of the whole book going on, and all the songs are like really catchy, and they're just fun, and the gu- the guitar playing is like godly. He's just <laughs> Just so good. <laughs> Same goes for uh, Cassiopeia. That was uh, another one. Like just before I fell in love with that album, I fell in love with a live album called Mint Jams, which Don't is it's, it's, I'll send you them. They're really <laughs> good. Do. They're really great. Not like the kind of music you think. 
like a bunch of metal dudes you'd be yeah, listening yeah, yeah. to. I love it. <laughs> like, I just love you it. You know, it's funny with the when you ask when I ask metal bands these type of questions, they never really give a metal answer. They always yeah. give something kind no. of obscure. Yeah, yeah. People think it's just gonna be they're just yeah, like it's no. like no. <laughs> um, um, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, so I think that the first. Um, album that I fell in love with and, and again it, it's kind of a difficult one for, for me because it is hard one it's, same with Charlie I kind of um, my first kind of big dive into um, like music was with like iPods and MP3 players and, and the like um, and I think the first album that I like was genuine and like oh I enjoy not just like this song from this artist or, or this thing like I enjoyed this album as a piece of work was um uh, Vampire Weekend second album um, which <clears throat> is one that I think um, I know that they're not like the coolest fucking band in the world but um, there's some great songs they they do and like for for me I think it's just a case of like I was like really I think that was the first time I was able to like you know, properly like take apart like an album in terms of like oh this musician is doing this role in this band and, and this person is like doing this guitar part for this reason um but i think the other one that would i think that would be the it, like a few months later but i definitely got way more into was um the second album by the band waves spelled with two v's i don't know oh yeah wait, i do know them actually yeah, yeah. very very kinda, vaguely now to be honest I, wouldn't, yeah. I couldn't say i know them like but so for me the thing that so first of all basically just noise rock it's it's, <laughs> it's very abrasive it's um, arguably like horrible sounding but <laughs> but here's the thing it's one of those things where if you were to take away the distortion and kind of make the singing like listenable you have very well written like kind of um, pop punk kind of little tunes but just absolutely like the most like brutal unlistenable production and I, at first I was like oh, this is this is awful and then my brother who was showed me the album was like no nah, you don't understand this dude just made it all by himself over the course of a weekend just on his laptop <laughs> and and that idea just blew my mind because i thought you know like oh you know you you go into a recording studio that's kind of the, the idea that you're kind of told when you're getting into music exactly like, oh, you, it's always in like a recording studio and it's like oh it has to be done this certain way and like it's all really expensive and really high production then you learn that this guy just did it on his laptop yeah and it's like so the the album Waves spelt with three V's by the band Waves spelt with two V's. <laughs> um, and then the most recent album that I fall in love with, and I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I just want to say briefly uh, a shout out to my friend Sean for introducing me to the uh, guitar mastery of Takanaka. Yeah. Because without him, I wouldn't have known. So. <laughs> shout out to Sean. Shout out to Sean. Shout out to Sean. Um, so yeah, I think for me, the last album that I like really really fell in love with um, and it's kind of a weird one because for me I've kind of come back around to re-appreciate it is um, um, Infest the Rat's Nest by King Gizzard and the Lizard which <laughs> nice um, with, which when that came out I was like oh my god this is amazing but like I wasn't like yeah, super yeah. like I, like I wasn't like vibing so much with Mel at the time I was more into more ambient stuff um, but like coming back recently, especially after the new King Gizzard album, uh, Petro Draconic Apocalypse. No, it's it's like twenty seven words long. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> like it's literally 
Petrodragonic Apocalypse or Dawn of Eternal Night, the eternal end of the Earth. <laughs> yeah. like, it, it, it goes on. It's insane. Um, but that, uh, the first Gizzard Metal album, Infest the Rasnets, was an album that kind of, for me, it just kind of clicked really well. And it was one of the, the moments where, because I used to be super big into thrash. Uh, like, that's kind of how I got into metal, as I'm sure Charlie mm -hmm. uh, would attest as well. Um, but so for me, I kind of fell out of thrash because I felt that a lot of uh, new thrash that had come out basically since, like, <clears throat> any thrash after, like, the 90s, in my opinion, it's kind of, like, really doing an uphill battle to try and, like, justify yeah. itself. And don't get me wrong, there's some, like, really good thrash bands, like, currently playing in Dublin, like, Unmaker and Vahedi. Unmaker are very good, yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's not that I you know dislike them or anything but for me it's kind of it doesn't really scratch the thrash metal itch that i get from say listen to king gizzard where it has that like old school thrash sound but it has that just enough of a twist on it that kind of like garage rock yeah king gizzard vibe it's the same with like black metal and stuff like black metal oh, is yeah. a hard genre to to make it's, it it's, interesting it's, just, it's, yeah. trying, it's the in. most the hardest thing is to try and not make a derivative yeah exactly yeah have you ever heard a band called Dark Throne? It's like, yeah. oh, guys. <laughs> yeah, I can name Come like on, three, yeah. there's like 300 other bands that it's sound the exact, exact same. same. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think, um, and I, I know we were talking about like how metalheads, you know, um, and the metal albums that they listen to, but I think for me, King Gizzard, it, it's mostly that I kind of go back and forth between different King Gizzard albums. And so for me, um, just the way that I am at the moment, like kind of vibing with more uh, like heavy music. I think Infest the Rat's Nest um, is just like a near perfect album. It's brilliant. It's a very good album. I remember when it came out, my friend, as we mentioned earlier, he's obsessed with King Gizzard. He was like, King Gizzard made a metal album. I was like, no, they didn't. And he was like, <laughs> and he was like they made a thrash metal album. I was like, I bet it's going to be shit. And then I put it on. I think it was Rats was the first song. Yeah. And instantly I was just like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's very good. It's very good. <laughs> drop something there you drop your phone yeah, was it okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking up what albums I've been listening to <laughs> that was a long question yeah, it, was, it was gonna but be look, look, yeah. it's, a, it's a good question it's, a, good, it's a great question wasn't well, expecting here's it. the next one if you could collab with anybody who would it be Alice's Nurse Alice's Nurse <laughs> yeah. um, uh, no um who did you say, sorry? Alice Cisneros, the bass player and oh, singer of Sleep yeah, Gnome. That would make sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, do you have a definite answer? I never even thought about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> never even thought, given that any thought. Uh, I guess the obvious answer would be Steiner. I mean, because, yeah. Because like, we kind of found that like after playing a few gigs with them and getting to know them really well, yeah, uh, that they like their music and our music mm. is not the same. No. But it complements each other well. Yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll tell you a really good answer that I was actually thinking about the other day. Uh, do you know the band Lifts? No. Oh, yeah. So, Lifts, uh, relatively new band. I, I did sound for them in the Button Factory uh, a few months ago, and they are fucking phenomenal. Um, I would describe them as a mixture between Lancum and Neurosis. Oh, sick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and so... Neurosis are a band that do not get mentioned enough. As no, well. I no. fucking love Neurosis. You heard it here first. Mine, one of mine and John's favorite bands ever is Neurosis. Yeah, very good band. <laughs> um, but so the band lifts there. Um, so the drummer is like some kind of jazz drummer. They have a, a piano player, 
a guitarist who basically plays exclusively clean but like on a baritone guitar um so like nice and, and low down and then they have a violin player and a violoncello player so it's like a cello tuning but in the shape of violin Ooh, or viola <laughs> and then that's running through a, a sub octave fuzz pedal so it's like even baser and then they don't have a bass player oh <laughs> they really need a bass player at that point yeah, exactly <laughs> um but so there are a few parts where like i was listening to their um the music that they have coming out soon enough uh that they're i think recording at the moment um and there are a few parts where i was like man this is really awesome but what it really needs is some like charity just coming and go like boom, yeah. bang, <laughs> boom, boom and then like i was thinking like oh and then like they obviously don't have a bass player so if there's one band that i genuinely would really like to collab with is lifts um because there's um because also like they do that kind of like dark kind of heavy but also like clearly not metal kind of thing um so they'd be one that i'd like to personally work with as true home x another band um but standard as well i think uh i'd be 100 for uh doing some sort of like super group with those guys <laughs> they're they're like super sound and just like phenomenal musicians uh next question is what album do you think has the best tone Ooh, ooh! Oh, now, shit. now we're getting to the juicy stuff. Um, I've never obvious answers. Obviously, dope smoker. That's a that's a hard one. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna cheat again. I, I, I wrote that down this morning. I was like, I haven't asked a band this yet, but I think it's a good one. Good one. <laughs> I'm gonna go to my mix reference uh, folder. Same <laughs> consolation. I think it's Triptychon's Melona Casmata. I think has the best tone. I think it's like what kind of. T- tone are we talking about well like, guitar are we talking about like okay. guitar tone guitar, well, or we tone can... is the band so so, so okay. album tone <laughs> album tones okay so for album tone i'm gonna give you three in no particular order okay. for um uh and we're we're talking just like heavy stuff because otherwise yeah, yeah we could go like, on for eight yeah. yeah so first one is macedon's leviathan nice i think as a just thick wall of sludge it is like phenomenal because i i think a lot of sludge bands can really struggle to get like a like perfect tone they can get a, like a really good one but it's so easy to turn it into like muddy and yeah. gritty at the same time whereas leviathan it's just the solid block of just like gain that like nothing feels like it's too much or too little it's just perfect uh, the other one would be um, the first Rage Against the Machine album, which I think has one of the best mixes of all time in terms of like heavy music. It's just <coughs> yeah, phenomenal. It's a pretty great album. And then the third one, the wild card, um, <laughs> <laughs> is um, Death from Above, Outrages Now. Interesting. Uh, so, um, are you familiar with the album? No. Okay. I know the band. Yeah. I don't know the album. Like, I just know them from that. I know them from their actual logo, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So another um, bass and drums kind of band, um, and so for that album, they uh, it was the guy who produced. Uh, I think it was Eric Vantine, the guy who produced Queens of the Stone Age's "Songs from a Death," nice. which is another rabbit hole. <laughs> we can get into that if you want, but um, he produced uh, those two albums, and with "Death from Above," it was kind of that perfect combination of massive thick bass guitar and like the super like dry punchy uh drums where like they record the cymbals separately and then compress the shit out of the uh, the the drum kit and it's 
a phenomenal sounding record that's just always super punchy and for me that was a huge influ in, uh, influence when I was mixing Black Lotus for me I think uh, number three and we're talking about album tone as, as yeah. a whole mm, I'm yeah. going to go for The Sciences by Sleep is that's, three. That's, that's a very good one I'll give you that <laughs> is that's, that the most recent yeah, song? that is the most yeah, recent yeah, yeah. one yeah. it's just like everything is just, it's like you can tell that that album is like what all of their albums should have sounded like but like back yeah. then like nobody knew how to handle in the studio like a nine guitar nine <laughs> amps and like a bass that also has like nine amps you know yeah and it's just like this is what it was meant to be it's like just be Marty McFly that album is, that's such a great tone on every song it's brilliant and the second album I go similar to Declan I'm gonna go with Blood Mountain Mastodon. nice yeah it's, it's like leviathan but just like a step higher i think <laughs> production wise but See, not in not in such a way that it's like you know overproduced it's still like it's everything's really clear and clean but it's still like really dirty and really heavy i'm gonna counter that so for me can i say what you answered right i could see the cogs so so for me the production of blood mountain is better but the tone of uh, Leviathan is better in terms of the pure like guitar, bass, drums. To me, the tone in Leviathan is better than Blood I, Mountain. I, but the production I, I have of Blood to Mountain say that better. like I think that the, they just got everything right in Blood Mountain. That's what I think. Okay, I think they got everything. Okay, right. I'll accept that you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the last the wild card. The, uh, not, okay, yeah, the wild card <laughs> is definitely uh, a song that never sets. By yeah, analysis. that's good. It's just like got everything in terms of like sad, ambient, clean bits <laughs> going like straight into like the crushingly sad, heavy bits like the whole <laughs> way through. There's no like, there's no but where you're not sad. There's no, there's no bit where you're not sad. <laughs> you're not sad in the whole album, and it's all like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just crushing. It's just crushing. All the tones, emotionally, the, the, physically, the heavy tones are really crushing, and the clean tones are really nice. And they just like you know, <laughs> all the, the the singing and the vocals, it's all like amazing and all that. The bass tone, fucking bass tone in your Elsa's albums, yeah, is always so good. The bass vocals. <laughs> Believe it or not, this is the first time the Neurosis has been mentioned on the podcast. Really? And I, really? I was like, they're such a good band. They're, they're like really, a they're really, really good band. band yeah. ever. My um the guy who taught me uh lighting used to be uh their like visual operator. Oh wow, he's got a um, cut out from it. <laughs> uh, so he's, he didn't even like really bring it up because like we were just like talking in class um about the band uh lifts. He was like, Yeah, they kind of remind me of a uh, of neurosis. And I was like, Oh, I fucking love neurosis. He was like, Yeah. I used to do visuals for them, and also I like <laughs> played on stage with them during a what was the song they through do. Silver and Blood, and I was yeah. like, "What?" They were friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I've got cool. I've got two more questions left. Only? Uh, yeah, so oh. unfortunately, oh. Go on, yeah. an hour, guys. <laughs> yeah, surprised. Yeah. Uh, we can talk for a most underrated time. band. Most, most underrated band. I think you're gonna go for Neurosis, are you? Yeah, probably. Well, well tell, tell what we'll, 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 out, we'll do a blanket statement of Neurosis okay. underrated that goes underrated. without saying. That goes without saying. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, underrated. That's that. That really is a good question. Um, and I know that you asked that question, so I should have prepared. Um, <laughs> I think you would have said Neurosis. Um, yeah, but not mentioned them before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, that's a that's a really good question. Um, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a third 
just... An underrated band. I don't know. It's hard to say what's underrated and what's not when you just listen to it yourself. Yeah, you know? yeah. I suppose there like, is. Like, can you really say that like Neurosis is underrated because they have a huge cult following? Yeah, you know? yeah they do. They do. Like, they are a very well known band. You know. Um. Okay. I'm, fuck it. I'll do the the obvious answer. I'm gonna say that Ohm are underrated. Okay. Ohm are underrated. I've, yeah. I've actually never did a deep dive on them at all. Really? I don't know. Bit, it's very easy. Pieces. All their albums have like no more than five five songs. Some of them are just two songs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but so the thing about Ohm is that you can't go into it expecting fast heavy riffs. You have to go into it. Expecting and, and taking what they're laying down. Yeah, you they know? Kind of, are they kind of like Yob in that, are they? Kind or? of, yeah. Oh, Yob is so heavy, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yob are different, though. Yeah, like, Yob are I, different. I, th I think with Ohm, it's more of a case of like, you have to. Um, you can't go in with like expect expectations of what it has to be. You just have to go in and just take it all in. And sometimes you will be bored on the first listen. Yeah. But then what you realize is. Like when you go back, like the you know third or fourth time, those bits that seemed boring are like the most memorable bits of the yeah, song. That happens to me for like when I started listening to them, like for like every album, I realized <laughs> yeah. that like I'd be like I don't really get it, and then I go back to listen to it again, and like oh my god, it's so good. And then, <laughs> even within that, like you know, Charlie prefers the the earlier Ohm stuff, and I prefer the the later stuff because with the earlier stuff, it's the just... earlier stuff is literally that first album variations on a theme is three songs. And they're all like 12 to 20 minutes long, and they're literally just jamming on like three riffs, and it's really droney and like transient. And it's, it's just so easy to like fall into like their pocket of rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> like I grew up playing nice. drums, so like I kind of like just latch onto that really easily. Yeah. Just, there's just so much groove going on. Whereas in the later albums, they start to introduce um, like all these like. The tempora, the tempora, and, like and like bits. and and like a string section, and like and like some synthesizers, and it's just they evolved so much over time that by the time you get to uh, the most recent album, it sounds like a completely different band. Like their their last album had like one heavy song, it has one heavy song, and, and then the, the other forty minutes are just like clean pure just like ambient meditation, meditation whereas yeah. the earlier album the, the first album had no clean bits it was just, it's just the album like... opens with them turning on their amps and just blowing out the feedback so i don't know if you have another one but uh i'm gonna say um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with them as well yeah, like, yeah. Can't really think of anything kind, else kind of the obvious answer for yeah, but... for true home but... yeah but like come on true home. it's not it's, it's true yeah. <laughs> true, home. true is true is the home yeah well as the final question that i end every podcast with is what do you enjoy most about what you do Really so, easy <laughs> for you. <laughs> like when we're playing together, you know, I'm playing the same beat and you're playing a pentatonic riff. It doesn't get any simpler. <laughs> like when you, when you strip everything else away, that's all it is. <laughs> in, case, in case it isn't, that's the most easy answer I've ever got. <laughs> Some people do just like you know, it's just it's like no, it's easy. <laughs> yeah. It's easy, but it's so much fun. You, you can know? tell that Charlie. His role in True Home is to play drums, and my role in True Home is everything else. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we can't say that it's not true when we start playing together. When everything's no, done, no, and like because like yeah. all that other stuff happens before we even start playing. Yes, like we're not even I make playing. Sure it happens. It. Exactly, we're not even playing at that point. But once we start playing, it's fun, and it's really easy. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, I think for me, 
the thing that I love most is hearing when people enjoy uh, the music because so I make a lot of music just between solo stuff and uh, different projects and you know almost all of it I make for myself because I want to make it especially a lot of the ambient music I don't make it because I want people to you know because I want it to be famous or whatever I just make it because I enjoy making it and I had you know, when we started doing True Home, I, you know, kind of assumed, all right. I knew that, we knew some people were going to like it, but yeah. like, like for example, like, say for the Wheelands show, I would, like, people, like, it was like our first, you know, our show. Mm. There's only yeah. one band on before us, and we did everything. It yeah. was like a True Home gig, whereas all the other gigs we did before then was like, you know, be playing in Fibbers, where most of the people who will be watching you wouldn't know you yeah yeah or, or they'd just be like wandering in and out they'd watch a bit and they'd leave so it wasn't like you know yeah, they or, weren't just there for you or you know it'd be I mean? like an opening so like we opened for um, Grey Stag in Cork and like that was a really fun show but like five people in the crowd knew who we were um, but at the end of it when you get off stage and you talk to people they're like I never heard you guys before like what on, I didn't know what to expect when I saw two blokes yeah. get on yeah, stage yeah. you know um, that's always funny and that was the thing about the Wheeland show yeah that was nice was that like lots of people came yeah and the they were all like, the, were like wait it's a two-piece on yeah <laughs> people came and people really enjoyed it yeah and i was really worried that like something would go wrong yeah or, or that, like, like five the, people would show five up. people would show up but the sample wouldn't work but people came and people really enjoyed it and like people like people that came understood what we put down and that was like yeah, I really appreciated that. You know, and, you know, it's one. So, like for me, you know, I, you know, when we started True Home, I expected it to be a thing of like, okay, some people will like it, but it's you know, a thing for me and Charlie to jam because we love jamming together and we just want an excuse to do that. Mm. And like, you know, three the, albums in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the thing that you know I find so amazing is hearing that people do enjoy you know, listening to our music because we'd be doing this whether people were listening yeah, or not. absolutely. But it's just nice that people do actually like And I also think we found it the perfect way for us to do it. Oh, True for, Home is 100%. Like the perfect way for me and you to like go on stage because like if it was just like me and Declan jamming yeah. without anything else, it just, it'd be cool but it, <laughs> it wouldn't be the same. Yeah. Whereas we, we've over the past... Like we put a lot of effort into True Home, especially yourself, when it comes yeah. to like doing all the samples and doing all the drone zone and, and the, all that the stuff. lights and the lights and, and literally everything. <laughs> I mean, literally everything except it. playing drones. Yes. <laughs> um, but hey, I also don't sell the T-shirts. That's oh, I do do that as well. Yeah. yeah, I decided at the Cork show. That was a great show. That was the first time. Mm. Actually, our first ever gig was in Cork. It was, it was it was a, a four knot gig in 2019 in I can't even, this I don't even know how to pronounce it this Fornikin Fornik I don't know whatever that however you say it and uh, it was a crap gig for four knot because uh, John wasn't able to be there and we were playing all these old songs so, we don't play them songs anymore but so a, a two guitar band were trying to play a show with only one guitar oh, shit. and then uh, a, a slot opened up for the opening act and I just said to Declan like because I knew we would be driving then and I was like do you want to just like try because we hadn't played a gig and we'd only just become like true home mm. hadn't released our albums yet and uh, we were just like let's just go down and see what it's like like I think literally like we were so not a band that I was literally 
making the Facebook page on the drive yeah, to Cork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, for, uh, what, uh, what was I going to say again? You were talking about the Cork Grace Diamond. Yeah, yeah. So when we came back to play Cork, uh, all the Cork people are so nice. They're lovely. They really liked our gig. And then I decided that, like, because, you know, it's really hard to make money as a band. And I had spent money on diesel going down and I needed diesel to go back. You know, like, like, I, as I, like as I needed diesel to go back. Yeah, basically. And I was like, this is of utmost importance right now. So uh, <laughs> I took loads of CDs and like tapes and like I wore the t- true home t-shirt and I just went up to Available every single black and in tie-dye. Yeah, I went up to every <laughs> single person in this room and was just like, hey, do you see true home? And they'd be like, yeah or no. And either way, I'd be like, well, they're this really cool band. And like, you should buy their merch. I'm not in them. And I'm like, no, obviously, like, I'm, like, I mean, no, I'm nobody knows that Charlie's in the band. Yeah, they see a, a, a wall knows, of hair. Nobody knows who I am. But uh, Yeah, I went up to every single person in that room waiting for the next band, being like, please buy our merch. This is like the best money you'll ever spend. It's so worth it. We have merch for everybody. We have our new album. We have a tape of our hour long ambient album. We have t shirts. And like in black so, and in so like when they say oh I don't have enough money for that I'd be like the tape is a fiver <laughs> you know, like, I don't have 15 quid the tape you have coins 5 euro it's only 5 euro and we ended up like making the exact amount of money we needed to get back home it's to break even and then some you know yeah, yeah no, we um and, and, and like I happy to do a lot of technical stuff I'm happy to you know make an hour and a half worth of visuals and like program all this kind of crazy stuff the one thing I cannot do is convince people to give me money. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a skill. It's, it's, yeah, it's it is. hard. I just I tried really hard to be nice and convincing and just like let them know that this is some really great money to spend. You know, yeah. This is a great way to support us and you will not regret it. Like, it's, it's literally as simple as that. You know, Especially if you came. and the, We needed like five more euro to break even. Yeah. And then there was this big dude in the crowd, big long white hair. I'm pretty sure he was wearing a Bloodstock t-shirt and I like he was chatting to someone he was the only person I hadn't gone up to and I was like this is it like if like and I, and I was saying to Charlie I was like I don't think I saw that guy in the crowd or something I, like, I, I thought I did but I, th- I didn't really know and I just knew that it was about a 50-50 chance that he'd buy something yeah and uh, I went up to him and he really liked us turns out and he thought we were really great and he bought our t-shirt so that like actually made us break even and then like 15 quid more so, yeah, you know? so I'm, I'm, whoever I'm, you are thank you listen to this Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that, that reminds me of uh, when uh, we were first starting to sell merch and we had just had cassettes and uh, and I'd come home from a gig and my sister was like, oh, you know, how did the, the cassettes go? Did they, did they sell well? And I was like, ah, you know, we um we sold a few. I mean, like, we didn't make a lot, but we broke even. My sister said, sure, what more could you ask for? And I said, profit. Yeah. <laughs> you could ask for profit. You study economics. Yeah. <laughs> you should know that we would like profit. <laughs> it's very difficult. To, it's a very elusive thing for bands, but it's very nice. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's my answer for uh, what is uh, the thing that I enjoy most. Uh, it's uh, selling. Yeah. <laughs> selling out and making money. Yeah. No, it's um, it's next album's a trip hop album. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
is uh, when people enjoy our music. Yeah. Um, when it comes down to it, really, like, we do it for ourselves, and then when we realize that people actually like it, we're like, okay, this yeah. is kind of why we do it now. Like, by all means, if you are if you come to a True Home show and you enjoy it, please, you know, come, let to, us know. Come, come to me, let us know how much you enjoy it. Probably, buy our merchandise. Probably not Charlie, he doesn't like to talk to too many <laughs> yeah. people after the show, unless he's selling stuff. It's okay, they're not going to know who I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we were playing in... Oh, sorry, we'll... we'll, we'll no, you're all good, don't worry. You can <laughs> so the last of the person, our finished we, question is that, <laughs> but... <laughs> Hear me out, though. Uh, we were playing at um, Siege, Siege Limerick, yeah. and um, and I was saying to Charlie, I was like, no, look, people people know you from like from True Home. People know who you are. It's about half an hour after we just finished playing. Yeah. And he was like, no, Declan. Declan, they don't. They don't. And I was like, no, for, no, trust me, they do. You're, you're just being too hard on yourself. And then some... Not like it's a bad thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then some woman came up and was like, and like this saw, is me and Declan talking to yeah, each other, like standing in, in front of each in other. In the same shirt that we do every True Home show, and, and she comes up to me and she's like, Oh my god, you're 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 the bass player from True Home. And I'm like, Yeah, and she's like, Oh my god, that was amazing. We talked for like three minutes straight about how much she loved True Home. Didn't at one point look over <laughs> yeah. at Charlie. Who was just not once. standing right there, <laughs> there like, like, staring like, her. This is proving my point. Like. <laughs> and then she was like, Anyway, nice chatting to you. And then I go, wait. You know, he's the drummer from True Home 2. She goes, Oh! Awesome! And then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfectly fine with me, but in fairness, like, how are you going to see him? Sitting behind a drum kit. Yeah. Uh, my face is covered in hair. Like, this t shirt, the Willem Dafoe t shirt. The Willem Dafoe from the Lighthouse. It's the only thing. You're wearing a Brian Eno t shirt. I, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that this wasn't going to be a video, so I brought it just in case. Yeah. So, uh, this is like part of the True Home uniform. It, it, but, the like, True Home uniform. This Will is the only identifiable. This might as well be my face <laughs> on the stage. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll get you to recreate that shot and then put that as a new t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. All right, as well, we'll leave it there. Uh, the last little thing is like, if you have one, if you have anything you want to plug, obviously you have t-shirts that you want to sell in yep. tie dye and black. Yes, correct. I bought. The, I was funny. I was when I was going. I was like, I know I'm getting a t-shirt. I really want to get the tie dye because I have about eighty black t-shirts in there. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Don't get the black. Get, <laughs> get the tie dye. And then as soon as I was there, I was just like, oh, I'm gonna go for black. <laughs> well, dude, well, I wear black t-shirts so much that a friend of mine who I met last week, I hadn't seen her in maybe four years in person. Mm. She goes, "Oh my god, we're in white. Good for you." <laughs> um, yeah, basically, uh, you can find our merch on Bandcamp. Pretty sure. Uh, we're getting there. Anyway, uh, by the time this comes out, by the time this comes out, it will and, be. Uh, so we have. Um, uh, Black Lotus CD, courtesy of Chris Monk nice. Records. It's really great, uh, really nice CD. Uh, we have tie dye T-shirts. More on the way. We have black T-shirts. Um, um, we have way. more on the way. We have uh, some cassettes. They're going to be in the sizes medium, XL, XXL, and triple XL. And uh, the last thing we have, we have some cassettes of our first album. But we have one. I, okay, we have one. Don't <laughs> buy that one. Buy the patience. <laughs> if you have a tape player and you want to listen to True Home and you want to listen to it on tape, the, the, the buy patience. Way. Buy patience, patience because it is, it just comes across best out of a tape player. You know, if you if you want to listen to it True Home in that format, don't listen to the heavy things because it just like it, it doesn't really work. See what so I mean? Listen, He's a great salesman. <laughs> get, get the hour long one note ambient song, and I promise you, if you have a cassette player, you will not regret it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're also I'm not sure if it'll come out in time but we're playing uh, in Limerick uh, on the 11th, on the 11th of, August. of August oh this will uh, be out before that we're gonna, don't worry yeah. we'll, be, okay, well, cool. we'll, be, we'll be doing uh, a similar thing to what we did Friday for, is the plan oh, fantastic so it will uh, we're playing in the living room sorry the record, the record room the record yeah, room the commercial bar uh, it's next to the commercial bar oh sorry um, <laughs> it's in Limerick uh, it is Steiner and 
I said I was going to. We're pretty much going to be doing the same thing. Chrononaut? Oh, Chrononaut, yeah. Yeah, They'll be playing first. Oh, they're playing first. Uh, Yeah. Um, So they're opening, then Steiner, and then we're going to be doing... Uh, Pretty much what we did. Possibly a two-hour set. We've possibly been, We've been told set. that we could play for <laughs> we're two gonna, hours. We're going to do what we did in Wheelands, which is about an hour and 20 minutes, and then we're just going to play Patience. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> in its entirety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then I guess other than that, um, follow our socials. Um, True Home Official on Instagram. Uh, True Home on Facebook. On, on Facebook. Uh, I don't think we're on Twitter. You're not. Yeah. Okay. Call Twitter right. anymore, X, man. X, X. Yeah. We're we're not on uh we're not on that. I don't think you need to be on no, it. No, we're fine. I promote on it, I'm just like, why am I doing yeah. this? Every time I go on, I just see some far right bullshit. I'm just yeah. like, I hate this fucking website. Well, we also mentioned the uh the Wheelands album thing live. Oh yeah. yeah. So uh uh yeah, we're uh currently working on releasing uh, a live album of our pre- our recent Wheelands performance. Oh sick. Uh, it sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't like like live albums. I find that very few live albums are actually good with some exceptions, but this album sounds fantastic. So uh that's going to be uh coming out soon. I think the plan is it's going to be uh, pretty much exclusively on Bandcamp and then like on cassette and maybe cd and then if there's a positive response we might put on spotify but no we're gonna put on spotify it's gonna it's it's gonna be our an an official album but it's just gonna be a live album okay you can tell now that we're just having a band meeting (laughs) on the podcast we haven't discussed it sounds so great that uh it's it has to be like you know it's gotta be everyone anyone can listen to it you know okay okay cool first i've heard of this but uh so yeah um t-shirts cds cassettes um, come post- to the wreck come to Limerick no matter where you are make Eleve- the trip Eleve- uh, 11th and, of August and uh, yeah be on the lookout uh, the for a live album be on the lookout for a live album um, yeah I think that's that's, it. that's, that's true it. home that's <laughs> it uh, also we're not a cult uh, we need uh, to no stay- we're not a cult yeah, we need why to, to say that we need to say that record that we are not a cult we're not a cult no my mother who's a lovely woman a a proud catholic woman uh, is a little bit concerned that I might be starting a cult, which I'm not doing. We're not a cult. We're not a cult. We're not a cult. The funny thing is, you got Definitely everybody to chant, we are not a cult, which was very cultish of you. I, I just <laughs> no, 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 we're not a cult. <laughs> That's what a cult perks. would say. No, we're not a cult. We are we an might have intentional some... community. <laughs> Where we, we all just gather around and we meditate together <laughs> and we, we, we chant and, and we all worship me. You so know? What <laughs> An intentional community. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not so much of a cult as more of a disorganized religion. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. Yeah. Not a cult. Not a cult. Not a cult. Not a cult. <laughs> nice. So that is the end of our episode for this week. I just want to give a quick thank you again to Declan and Charlie for coming on. Make sure to check out True Home. Fantastic band. Definitely go see them live if you have the opportunity. They are unbelievable live. And um, listen to Black Lotus. Get a new t-shirt that they have. And uh, yeah. And if you want to hear more episodes just like it, please give the podcast a follow. I know I say it every week, but seriously, following the podcast really, really does help me out tremendously. Uh, Genuinely does. And um, if you're feeling very kind, you can leave a review as long as it's positive. But I guess other than that, um, next week, I don't know if I have a guest next week. I think there's one lined up. But if there's not, it'll be an episode about an album that came out on the day of my birth. Um, 
which I'm very, very much looking forward to because I'm not around next week. I'll be on holidays for the first time in Yonks. So, uh, yeah, it should be something to look forward to. But anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening to the episode. I hope you have a lovely week. Goodbye.